This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Recently at Christchurch Manchester, we were joined by Andrei Bondarenko, who is a pioneering church planter in Ukraine. And we had a morning with Andrei where he was sharing about his experience of planting churches in a war zone. And in this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that session. You can find the full notes on everything that Andre says at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 96. So here is Andre Bondarenko. Hi everyone, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Such a big blessing. My name is Andre. I'm married to Natasha. We have three boys, uh, lovely boys, and 12, 10, and three and a half. Quite busy life. And uh, uh, I would love to share what I have learned uh, for last nearly four years going through. Uh, ministry, building churches, planting churches, care for the leaders in a crisis, war reality, and also under the pressure from uh, local government. It's kind of persecution for the church. Um, Actually, I can say uh, my life and ministry changed dramatically. Is it map? Okay. Okay. Geography first. Down, you can see uh, Republic of Crimea. It's uh, on the Black Sea. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's not Ukraine anymore. And right side, Lugansk and Donetsk area, just right corner. It's not under the Ukrainian control. Actually, this is my, my hometown there, Krasnoluch. Maybe you can, you can read. Right corner, Krasnoluch. Anyway, so we, we are from that part of Ukraine, and f- about four years ago, suddenly war came to our uh, country. Actually, we had no expectation. A happy life. I can say uh, last years before the war, we, we've seen uh, some economic growth for first time for 20 years. So we've been very excited. And personally, we had a very good business with my wife for nearly 10 years. It helps us to support our family, my apostolic ministry, some travelings. We invested money to church building. We established Christian school in our, uh, Natasha runs, uh, she, she founded this school. So, and, and you know, all, all feelings that what a future we have. And we started church planting school, the most brilliant young people joined to be trained, they've been ready to go. And uh, two months before finishing our church planting school, the situation dramatically changed immediately. And uh, Crimea became part of Russia. And then we realized that in our streets, more and more armed guys and something going around. And then after a while, we've got a referendum and uh, became independent republics with 
fightings between Ukraine and new kind of government and army. So uh, I would love to show some pictures and you'll see that this war is real war, it's not, yeah. Just continue, please. A few, few pictures. Uh, yeah, some more. Two, two, two more. Um, without Crimea, about one and a half million people left east of Ukraine and became refugee in Ukraine, in uh, in Russia, and in some parts of Europe. So it's real war. It's not not just little shootings. It's real war with tanks bombings and uh, for uh, I was preparing this this uh, uh, slides for last May presentation uh, uh, through our churches we distributed about two two hundred thousand of meals just cooked by our people and distributed and tens of thousand tons of food was uh, directly given to the families. So it's huge, huge need just immediately came to our land. And all our life and way of thinking, how we operate and how we are leading churches, how training people, how we're pastoring them changed dramatically. So I think it's, it's enough. So uh, let's... Uh, I would love to share three different areas, personal uh, experience, uh, leadership experience, and apostolic strategy, how to minister apostol apostolically under the pressure, war reality, and persecution. Yeah, thank you. They're young enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, Jesus said that personally we are building a spiritual house, and then uh, Paul said that as ministers we are building God's house. So it's like two kinds of buildings, and all buildings will be checked by storm, wind, and water. So we faced it. And I can say, if we as a leaders not ready for for the pressure and be checked, our churches either. I, I see straight line between uh, leader and church. And we, we saw about maybe 30-50% of churches breaking down, but before churches breaking down under the pressure, leaders did it. So for me, this it became like reality. If I am not strong as a leader, I can't provide this for the churches. So what, what I faced and what, what I have learned, what, what, what kind of uh, challenges? Uh, first, how to keep unity with real disagreement, especially with political disagreement. When, when Russia, Russia prepared the, uh, this war, they paid money for media. 
and they started to separate west and east of Ukraine seriously. Different, different reasons, the name, but the reality, the idea was to separate firstly uh, in, a, in a head level and then territory. And we face this as in the churches. People with different political view wouldn't like to stay in one, one home group. And they are sitting in different parts of hall. And it's, it's very, you know, our theology here, but decisions here. And it's quite short distance, but <laughs> in life, we all believe in one Christ in Jesus. Uh, yeah? One, one people group in, in Christ. But when we, when we are disagree politically, it's hard to be one in Christ. Because I'm sure what I'm believing, I, I'm sure I'm standing in the right position and I'm ready to fight. And we started to fight. And then I realized we are nearly losing churches. So is Christ enough? for us to be one in him, or political view is more important. So it was very serious, and we started to talk again about this apostolic foundation, one in Christ, with no differences, Gentile, Jew, man, women, and slave, and uh, no, no, no differences. But at first, inside of me, am I ready to love and be one with those with opposite different political views. So I went through first, then I started to teach churches. I was traveling because I see so many churches just breaking down. It's just in a few months. And for me, it's a reason they haven't been ready inside. So it's important to have right theology here and right theology here as well. <laughs> um, second, when, uh, when we became an independent rep republic, local government and their army, they, they made decision, this new territory is only for Orthodox, Russian Orthodox believers. So all evangelical and Protestant churches became illegal and uh, they started to persecute. They, uh, they've been just destroying church buildings, uh, arrested leaders, some pastors have been killed. I was traveling, so three times armed guys came to our church office, but I was away. And, uh, and particular 10 days was the most terrible when armed Armed guys start, started to visit during the night, evening, house, uh, house of Christians, and just checking, are they have weapons, are they really enemies? And quite often they, they've been drunk or under the drug, so with no control, with, you, you just don't know what's going on next. And uh, um, my school friend, he was involved in criminal, but then left. He called me and he said, Andre, I got a call from my old friends, and they asked me to contact you because they've got from government command just destroy your family. 
and they ask, are you really <coughs> against new government and are you uh, trying to opposite them? I said, you know what we are doing for years. And we are not for political stuff. We are, we, we, we are really preaching gospel, careful. He said, I know, but I really needed to hear from you. So for 10, year, for 10 days, it was the most dangerous situation. And uh, my oldest one, he was about eight years. Once I came, I came home <coughs> and, he, and he stayed near the um, gate yes. with a piece of steel. And I asked, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to protect my family. So for, for eight years old, I was really... In this moment, there is a big question. How to care for the family protect family, and to be there where God wants you to be. So I was praying, Lord, because most of people who can, they just left. In one day, 100 people from Baptist Church just left, and most of young people left. Our churches became twice less. We had about 250 adults in our church. Now we have maybe 80 and just few young leaders, just few kids, because it's really dangerous, and no, no, no jobs, just nothing. So for me, it was a, a question, how I can be a good husband, a good father, and also obedient to God. And only one, uh, one way is just ask God, what should I do? So for, for this, I can say the most uh, dangerous period, I felt God is saying, I want you to stay and, be, and prepare church. So we, uh, I, I was traveling uh, amongst our churches and uh, home groups in, in, in our church because uh, local go government said, you're not legal anymore. You can't have church meetings. So if it was Saturday evening, I, I had a meeting with new mayor. Um, and he said, if tomorrow you'll meet, we'll come, we'll check, and you'll be arrested. So it was very serious. So we had a, a 10 o'clock in the evening, Saturday, uh, leadership meeting. <laughs> you can imagine how we prayed. <laughs> so should we gather people tomorrow? Or should we take it seriously? Because, you know, now after four years, nearly four years, I can do, I can see whole picture. In this moment, it's just time. You have no idea for how long it will take. And we, just, just no ideas. What, what, it's, yeah, it's not our experience. It's just first time. So all steps, we have to be wise, bold, careful, prophetic, sometimes crazy. <laughs> and who knows? Results. So we, we had a meeting and we felt God is saying that we have to take it very seriously and become underground church because we have live groups, or, uh, about I can say 90% of people in live groups. It helps a lot. Just immediately we made decisions. So si since next day, for next year, we became totally underground church. 
they took away our church building, not destroyed, but just empty. They took everything, all our beautiful sound system, everything, because just came and they said, it's ours. It's it. And uh, about 50 soldiers uh, used to live there for one year. Tanks in our church territory. So, and they uh, we had a cross. In, in, in our context, post-communist cross is a huge sight. We, we are not atheistic. We believe in God. And cross was a, um, like, like lighthouse for many people. Uh, they, they've been joking. It's helped us to, to find a way in, in darkness. So they took it and they put a new flag. So it was... Yeah, we built it by our own hands. It's new, new, new church building for around 600 people. Uh, yeah, so it's gone. So, and we became underground church. Um, uh, no one can provide you proper comfort. Friends, you know, we can't br bring some comfort to each other but not as deep as we need sometimes. Because uh, someone can just come and do... Just, just continue. Everything will be okay. He goes, but you stay with the same situation. So only, only one way is come to Jesus, seriously, just to say, I won't go before you tell. What's going on? What will be next? What should we do? So this personal relationship became the key. I put uh, this skill to hear God's voice, which had developed years before in personal life and ministry, helped me to be strong, to be courage, and provide the same comfort to others, which I am having from Him. So I can say, the skill to, to hear God's voice. Number one, for whole, for peaceful life and especially for life and ministry in, in, a, uh, in a crisis. Uh, also, I found that apostolic foundation through many hardships we are going to enter kingdom of God extremely important. Uh, for many uh, charismatic churches, they hadn't this in their theology and foundation. So when, when pressure came, they said, it's not from God. So we are not going to stay. Our church is not going to be here. They just left because from God, only blessing. God is opening the door. It's it. So we stayed because we believe and we felt if church goes, it's no hope for this area at all. Four million people still live there, and we feel respons responsibility, care, preach gospel, pray, provide comfort. This is called from God, and also suffering and hardship together. So we believe we, we, through many hardship, we're entering and we're extending kingdom of God that place. But this is theology. Here, it's okay. And here, we, we have to agree. I'm going to do it, not just believe. 
I'm not going to escape. I'm going to go through this. And then when, when I made decision, my family made decision, then we can teach church. So I can say, firstly, personal believing, personal uh, decision, then we can reproduce it in, in the churches. Uh, It was quite, quite, again, we note here that behind people there is a, our enemy, but when you're facing people to see enemy, it's quite hard. To fight not with flesh and blood, but against spiritual authority, it's not simple. And I can say for many for many churches and leaders till now, they're fighting with flesh and blood. And they're trying to find the answer for whole crisis in changing leadership, in changing political view or way of development, but the reality, enemy, devil behind, and our prayer life have to be focused on God, and against enemy, not against people. So when we, when we are learning it inside, and it helps us to love enemies as well. Because you understand, when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Because he knew behind them, they're blind people, behind them enemy. When we see our human enemies as a strong and most dangerous, we can't control unforgiveness and hatred in our heart. When you understand they're weak, they're blind, they have no, they have no way, they needed God, it changed general attitude. attitude. So we, ha we have to deal with our hearts, with our family, me personally, and with churches, because we've got, um, in that moment, when they took our church building and we became an underground church, God started to say, love your enemy, enemies. For five days, we've been praying and fasting and asking, Lord, what do you mean? Should we buy uh, sweets and bring to these armed guys? They've got everything. They took everything from shops. They're rich now. They don't need our sweets. How we can love enemies? I was, I was fighting with God, wrestling with God. I disagree. They're, they're terrible people. You have to judge them. But he's saying, love you. And in last day of prayer fasting, I felt from Matthew 6. Again, love your enemy. Bless those who is... Curse you. Yeah. And... Um, I felt Holy Spirit is saying, after a while, these people will lose their power and position and will and become poor people, ignored people, hopeless. In that moment, I would love my church to be able to embrace them, welcome them and feed them and show my life. So I started to prepare our church for, 
uh, for the future, and we've got opportunity a bit later, after one year, to use our church building. We started to feed people, and some that armed guys came to eat food in our church building. And they said, sorry, but we, we did nothing against you. It's just, just situation. And some of them became Christian. One of men, he helped me to renew my house, and I'm discipling him now. It's it's very interesting situation, but it's a lot of work for Holy Spirit to do inside of us. We think we are strong, but we, when storm come, we have some weak points in our lives. So, and God is just helping us to go through this. Um, Fear is real. Sometimes you can feel fear physically. It's real. And nothing wrong to feel fear, but to become fearful is very dangerous. And uh, I was traveling a lot, and I had to ch uh, cross checkpoints, Ukrainian separatists. Once during two days, I crossed 35 checkpoints. It's, yeah, it's, it's big pressure. And sometimes you have no idea, will, will you survive or will you die? And uh, because drunk armed guys, they can do everything, especially in a forest. No one can stop them. So you're just crossing praying, trying to be kind, smile, but sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, so, and fear is, is near. And whole church felt fear. And it, was, it, it became like one of the biggest enemy for us for, for a while. So we had to pray, seek God, and we, we needed prophetic foundation to stay on. Because many people who left and uh, churches from center of Ukraine, west of Ukraine, from Russia, they said, you have to leave. Just leave the territory to totally. And uh, with fear, it's a good decision. But then we just started to feel, God is saying, I'm going to protect you. And for me personally, I've got prophetic uh, promise from God. You are not going to glorify my name by your death. You're glorifying my name by your life and ministry. So I'm, I'm keeping this, uh, this is promise. Now I'm traveling a lot. It's not as such as dangerous as before, but when I'm, I'm going, I'm praying and I'm saying, Lord, I, I'm trusting you, that you can close eyes for bad people. You can open the door. If you like, you can do like uh, for Philip. Just take me and put in the right place. You can do. I saw many situations. God just closed the eyes for for the people who checked my car. I was bringing Bibles. It's really illegal, but we had a baby car, and we put it all Bibles and all resources into baby car. They check everything except baby car. It was repeated time to time. And then I felt, once I was uh, preparing for next trip, and I said to Natasha, Natasha, no Bible anymore. I feel 
God was giving us grace, but now we have to stop doing it. This trip, baby car was checked totally. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's only one way to hear, listen, and to be obedient. Sometimes God is saying illogical things. Only one way, check it. Just try. Do not be obedient. Who knows? I prefer what I'm hearing just to do. And after a while, you see how God is wise. Uh, prayer, prayer and fasting change totally. Um, especially in situations when every day everything is changing. For example, I had a period when fighting light was moving. Ukrainian army started to be very uh, aggressive and the fighting line was changing and we had no internet, no uh, phone connection. So I had no idea what's going on with uh, churches, leaders. And I was praying and I came, I said, Lord, I have no idea what should I ask from you. Just no idea. What I was asking yesterday, thank you, you're not a uh, reply. Because it was rubbish, by, but I didn't know. So this situation just helps me to understand God knows everything. His plan is better. So I started to spend more and more time hearing, listening to him. And when I got prophetic promise, then I started to build all my prayer life on these promises. So now I can say I'm spending hours in listening and minutes in asking. I don't know, is it just because of crisis or it will be my prayer style till the end of Lent? We'll see, it's too early <laughs> to put dot. But for now, I found this is... Um, some leadership... So I have about 10, ten minutes some leadership uh, tasks. I was learning how to build long-term strategic plans for three, five years, and it became a church culture generally, not just for our church, generally for Ukrainian churches. If you are a real leader, you know exactly God's plan for you for the next three, five years. It's great, I love it, but then I found myself in a position when I have no idea, even for next few months. And this is a big question. Am I still God's chosen one? Am God really leading me or I lost myself, not obedient? And it's huge pressure. Uh, when we are creating this culture with huge, incredible expectation about clear long-term vision, it provokes us to create human plans rather than to say, guys, I don't know, let's pray, let's see God, let's trust God. So this is huge pressure, and I had to say sorry for our leaders, church leaders, uh, pastors, guys, I, I brought too big pressure on you. So if, if God has given you long-term vision, great. Keep it, be faithful, work hard. If God not, because you know, our father in faith, Abraham, he had no idea where God is, 
inviting him to, but he was obedient. Step by step, he had no idea where he is going, but God said, I'm pleased. So we, we, we can say that there are different ways of how God is leading, and he's sovereign. I remember one, one particular prayer time, I had this pressure, and, and you know, as a leader, sometimes we are praying because of pressure, not because of question, questions in our heart. I felt pressure from people, or I thought they are pressing me. Sometimes it's happened. And I ask, Lord, I need to see clear future, how, how you are going to lead us, what will be next? And I was asking, praying, fast asking, and then God is saying, why are you asking for long-term clear vision? Is my presence not enough for you? Am I not enough for you? And I said, Lord, for me, you are enough. But it seems like not for, not, not for people. And Lord said, if I made a decision, to lead you step by step, just showing next step. You don't know what's going on next, but you know what you should do, what you have to do. Be obedient and stay against any kind of pressure because you are responsible before me, not before people. It was, I think, about two years or one and a half years ago, but I still remember it was very serious talk with God and he said, if I made a decision to lead you step by step, just follow me. So I just said, guys, no clear vision for next two years. But good news, we know what we have to do tomorrow. Let's do it. And um, I've got a promise from God as well that in the future he is going to show us bigger picture. So I'm waiting until this moment I really reacted. It's much more reactive style of rather than planning. But I'm happy now. Um, another one lesson. Quite often we are praying about anointing for our plans because we are, you know, God can give us this whole year plan but sometimes we are feeling our human plans. And because of culture, if we make decision, we have to do it, right? Yeah. So if God made decision during the year, ask us to do something different. Sometimes we have no chance, no time, no energy, no money. I have learned, I, actually, I have learned through this uh, Period, but encouraged by Martin Dunsford. He said, I never feel in old dates ahead. He's keeping, he's very extremely busy man, but he's keeping at least one week each month empty for God's spontaneous opportunities. I was really, really encouraged by him. He's, he works in 35 countries probably or more with hundreds of churches. This busy man keeping a week in a month for spontaneous God's plan. And uh, I found that question with anointing and wisdom and resources 
can be answered if we are doing what God called us to do. And Jesus said, someone who's sent by God, teaching God's word because God is giving spirit without limit. So God is providing everything, anointing, resources, if we are doing his uh, work. Um, few more. The understanding of seasons of life and ministry. So many leaders became broken without this understanding. Uh, because generally, leadership culture so focused on fruitfulness. Not every season is a harvest. So if, a, if God is leading us through season of sowing, but we are only focusing for harvesting, we'll be disappointed. So if you're planting a church and this is season to soil, don't expect for 50 new believers each year. <laughs> it's here, it's obvious, it's simple, but here we are struggling with it. So for us, it's very important to, to ask God question, is it season to sow? Is it season to have harvest? What's going on? It helped, it shaped us. It helps us to develop right strategy. Should we disciple people rather than try to reach new? So just, yeah, it helps our churches to go through this difficult situation year by year with understanding what's going on, what season, and not be broken. Um, another one. It's hard to see difference between desire to be fruitful, effective, and ambitious and selfish. It's, it's quite similar looks, but huge difference. And sometimes God wants us to bless others not built our. Especially when we understand that this is season not for harvest, and we see in other places, in others' ministry, there is a season a harvest and they needed help. If we have this kingdom of God view, it helps us to work for others' benefit, to help them to build and have a joy because everything is God's. So I found motivation. We have to dig deep and to find out what kind of motivation in our heart. Uh, one thing I just thought it would be helpful, Audrey, is, is when you've talked about that you fed mm -hmm. you know, kind of the, the, the army that were actually occupying, um, you, you actually did a load more than that, didn't you? When the, when the crisis hit, the tanks were there, uh, the economies just fell apart. So what's, just a, a few minutes, just what social, you know, what, did, what things did you do? There was water and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you could just give a little bit of a, a picture of, uh, of that, that would be great. Yeah. 
when, when war started, all economy stopped. So we, yeah, you know what does it mean, just nothing. No salaries, no money in the church as well. And we realized that uh, after a few months, and also whole fighting line and border was blocked, so no one was allowed to bring a food. Before, we, we've been bringing a food to that territory. We connected with many churches, Catalysts and New Frontiers churches, really involved. So we, we've been buying food and bringing with minibuses, a little, a little lorries, just tons and tons of food. Then it uh, became blocked totally. And we, uh, 27 people died in, in our town in a few weeks. Then we made a decision, we have to do something. So we prayed and we've got this uh, like vision, 10 our churches in their territory, 50 people each day at least we have to f uh, feed. So for more than two years, it was more than 50. We, our first plan was 50, but some churches, 150 every day, they cooked meal, provide, welcome people. So for more than two years now, we are changing a bit. We're still feeding people, but uh, we are providing more direct uh, help. We are visiting uh, different families, building connections, just helping, supporting, because it's not just food, it's comfort, it's uh, advices how to live. And um, in one particular place, whole like no electricity, no water, and we, made, we invested about $4,000 to drill a, how you call it? So, and we provide water for, for many, many, every day, more than 100 meters of queue for whole day with uh, bottles, with everything, just to get water. Um, we, we, we have put it washing machines in our church building. It's Krasnogorovka, it's gray line between, between Ukrainian army and, and separatist army. And their church building have been bombed about two months ago, but not destroyed, so they continue. 700 people having shower in this building in each month. Uh, every day they bring clothes, they're washing it, uh, distributing water. We have special ministry, candle ministry. So we are bringing candle from Ukraine and for, for that period. Now they've got electricity, so we change our ministry. No more candle ministry. And, and, and that, you know, um, in crisis period, uh, leadership have to operate differently. We don't have time for, okay, next week we'll have meeting. And then if we disagree, we have meeting next week. Now we have to make decision immediately. So our leadership style became much more direct. Sorry for democratic countries. <laughs> I became much more direct, but I keep in mind, it's only for crisis situation and for new believers. But for, for teams, so I'm, yeah. I'm doing quite well on this, <laughs> because I'm ministry there, in Ukraine, in Russia, in India, and in Europe now, it's beginning. So it's different style of leadership, in, so we have to, to learn how to use it, this as a tool. So when electric, uh, with no electricity, we started a, a charging ministry, so people 
bringing their cell phones to charge because only church has a uh, how you call it gen generator for free everyone will makes money but church said okay you can you can come so uh, i had some pictures when soldier with uh, gun machine and separatists but it's not soldiers but really against sitting opposite and about 20 30 uh, mobile phones charging in this moment <laughs> and no one leaving because it's gone if you leave so it's so so interesting we have to be very sensitive and new new ministry can last for half of day for example uh, when in one particular village or little town hard fighting starts we had to make decision to help people to escape so we have sent cars with bold guys just to take family and one our church leader he helped to escape 90 people so we established refugee camp in Mariupol and about 70 people lived there and we provide everything for more than one year and then we help them to find a uh, some of them came back some of them find a job and and uh, place to live so churches with no opportunity to preach gospel publicly direct we really reorganized to do social and mercy work and charity all kind all opportunities for example after some explosion all we all glasses just broken down and it was minus five and we arrived, our teams arrived, we, we've been, we started to send teams from our churches. And they arrived and no one is doing. And they start to ask, why you are not covering? They said, for what? Tomorrow or today it will happen again. So after five times, people just started to do nothing. And they needed courage. So our teams, we, we made decision, okay, we've gone, we, we're not going to use glass we are going to cover wood and then plastic. So it's very flexible. If explosion, it's not broken. So we brought a lot of stuff and started just to cover all these blocks of flats to cover with wood and plastic. And local guys, they said, we are doing in this flat, in their flats. They are just staying because they lost any energy, any hope. And then they asked, can we join you? Okay, you can. Actually, you can, you can do other. So we provided material and they, yeah, it's, it's different kinds of, of ministry. Uh, it's like one of mine call, uh, Bill Heibel said, leader responsible for raising up money. So it's one of mine apostolic call for this season to raise up money. Millions of grievances through these hands went to and it's, it's such a big blessing. And in one particular place, Krasnogorka, our church leader, uh, local community asked him to become a mayor because this church, feeding, providing water, charging mobile phones, uh, covering windows, restoring schools, hospitals. And uh, one moment they had a big conflict between police, government, and local people and they couldn't handle it it was nearly fighting they called to him and 
please come and do something. He, he was driving and he said, I have no experience how to be peacemaker with, with this. And he came and he saw all the ladies just screaming, crying because they felt upset because of decision. He, he straight from car started just to hug these older ladies. Because, you know, older ladies, it's huge motivation for all kinds of demonstrations. So <laughs> he started to hug them, kiss them, just... Uh, and uh, <coughs> silence came, police went, government left. And people just started to show, uh, to tell their stories, crying. And after a while, everyone just disappeared. So next day, people from government called to him, thank you very much, you a great job, you, you really helped us. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, um, because after Soviet Union time, all evangelical ch uh, churches and Protestant churches have been nearly illegal, and from, from, from society, it's like sect. Now it became real answer from God for whole towns and, yeah. Any questions or? Okay. Um, apostolic strategy. I was looking at Paul as only one model for years. Paul was going personally and planting new churches, based churches, and from that place reached area. And when war started, uh, as I said, from east of Ukraine, without Crimea, at least one and a half million people left. It means half of best trained young uh, leaders and people from churches just spread it around. Ukraine, Russia, Europe, some in America now. And uh, uh, local churches became much smaller, weaker. And we've got some challenges. Uh, how will how we build churches and plant churches in the future with much weaker? No, no finances, very limited human resources. And we yeah, we just spent time with whole apostolic team praying and, and thinking. And we felt God is really encouraging us to go and visit everywhere where our people in new places now. Later, I realized it was Peter's strategy. When after uh, uh, first died for Christ, who suffered first? Stephen's death. A church uh, disappeared, spread it, and only apostles have been in, in Jerusalem. And it's little verse explained that Peter was visiting everyone, and, and when he was in one place. So apostolic strategy was they have prepared people, they train them well. They train them well. So when people disappeared after a while, you know, it's not immediate. I found everything takes time. And, and we have to give grace to people. No, no rush. People have to find a place where to live, how to pay. So it takes time. And then seeds 
which been planted in heart by teaching example will started to grow and we found when we are visiting these groups families sometimes it's groups after a while they're starting question okay we've got a place to live to work how we can ministry so uh, we went to portugal with my wife to see her best friend she was our youth leader and admin my administrator she got married and now in portugal and they had a group of russian speaking people and we spent five days there just praying asking god is god is leading us to start a new church in lisbon or for them to join and we've met a church leader joao he was in athens with now their friend with martin dunsford and next european conference will be in his church <laughs> But we felt he has a vision for developing international church and he has desire for our guys to join and to be part of team. And we felt God is really uh, leading and encouraging us to join them, to be part of, not, not to start new church. So for us, it's very, uh, you know, details work. We have to come or someone from team has to come, spend time, just check pray and make decision but we found without this this kind of apostolic caring and encouragement not many churches will be planted not many leaders ready alone uh, to do it if we provide good uh, good caring we'll see more and more churches uh, planted um, last september i went to europe to see groups of Russian-speaking people in different places, Budapest, Vienna, two places in, in, in Germany, one, one good family in France now. And, and I see it's it's little beginning of new churches. I'm so excited. So we'll see uh, extension of God's work after this crisis. Um, few words about underground church. I'm not romantic about underground church anymore. <laughs> when we are reading books about uh, persecuted church or underground church, it's like, yeah, it's sometimes we think, oh, yeah, I would love to, to live under the pressure. Um, after one year, our church uh, have been as underground church. I saw a tendency to become a, a lot of little sects. Because not, especially in situation when the most trained and mature leader left, some of leaders, uh, some of guys who never think and saw as a key leaders became, because of situation and character, um, worldview, behavior, little little group 10 15 people with no connection with others for year is dangerous so some strange teachings started to raise up some huge ambitions started to raise up and when after one year we, we've got opportunity to to have our building and gather, some leaders have been struggling because they've got huge, huge um, authority. 
and ambitions after one year. So we have to work hard. And without teaching gift, uh, strange teachings, uh, without vision, uh, churches, uh, groups became self-centered. So it's, it takes about a year for me coming regularly just to help to replace vision, kingdom of God view, uh, to, to raise up like and, and get a team again. So I can say, let's use peaceful time rightly. Because under the pressure, under, under the persecution, it's much harder to serve God. So little uh, resources, opportunities. So I think, I know you're busy, you're working hard, you have little kids, it's huge, it's huge, huge pressure. So you're heroes. You're, you're minister God, you're faithful. So just continue. I think it's it. By, by time. Last. Actually a lot, but what painful moment. It's rotation in a leadership. Those who is very good to operate in a peaceful time can't operate and lead in a crisis situations. And it's very painful to realize, find out it, and even more difficult to do something, to rotate leaders. It's because quite often uh, people think about leadership as a title or position, not function. So I've been leader for years. I, I, I paid actually cost, high cost for this, for, for, for church have been uh, established. But in crisis, if someone can't lead properly, provide care but needs care, it's just time to step back and to allow, allow someone who has this courage and ability and skills to lead. So we, we, we had quite a lot of very open conversations. I can't say every church, praise God, just few churches needed, <coughs> needed rotation. But, and when, we, when we've done it, we had enough of courage to do it. Church just changed dramatically from self-centered vision because of fear to serving others because of courage leadership. So I found this is big task for me to provoke and organize rotation in, in, in the leadership. Uh, but, yeah. And a uh, few, few more things about how we are caring for, uh, for leaders, especially in war uh, area. I found it's very important to care for key leaders as, uh, and financially as well. For example, one young couple then leading one of our churches, he was a banker before war, very successful man, young family. Uh, during the war, they adopted a girl. They couldn't have all children, so they adopted a girl and no money at all. And from Central Bank in Kyiv, they asked him, can you move? You'll, you'll have highest position. You're, you're great, just brilliant manager. 
He said, I, f I know I will make good money there, but I have call to stay here and to lead the church. So this is hard decision to care for family properly to, and to obedient to God. And I felt this is like part of my responsibility to raise money and just help them financially. We have five, eight key leaders and for last few years, I'm, it's not big money, but they're so thankful. They said it just helps us to serve God without neglecting our kids. And, and uh, of three, four times in a year, I'm gathering all. Actually, we, we, we are having now about 35 churches and church plants. It's nearly uh, doubled during the war. Uh, we have sent couple. Can you say that again? It's a big statement you've just made. Well. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> During four years of war, the number of our churches and church plants doubled. We have sent a couple to India, to north of India, as missionaries. Uh, before war, we, we made uh, this big strategic plan, but then war came, we had no money, and we needed $4,000 US just for tickets. They've got a visa. Uh, she was a student in Delhi to study Hindi, and uh, the rest of family, as a student family, so this kind of visa. And when, when no money, we, we've been sitting in a refugee camp with uh, uh, one leader who was responsible for raising up money for this uh, mission. We've been sitting, drinking tea, and ask him a question. Do you have faith to send them? He looked at me and he said, it's wrong question. Do you have faith? <laughs> and you know, in this moment, no one around. It's not like someone to impress. It's just God and two of us. I said, you know, faith, it's, it will be too loud. I feel God still, God still wants us to do it. So we made a decision. And he said, he felt this moment when we said, we'll do it, something happened. He felt Holy Spirit came. And since this moment, all our churches started to send little money and personal people, little money. And three weeks before they have to go, we bought tickets. And we've got agreement with them. Guys, you are going by faith. We will support you. But let's believe when, when you land in, money will come into your bank account. They said, we will believe. So I know it's crazy. They are with kids. They, they needed money to rent a flat, to buy a fridge. In India, it's very important. And uh, bike at least. So they landed, and God is faithful. Only our own resources, all churches in war area, really involved in raising our money for, for these four years. By God's grace, now we are having about 15 two churches and 13 church plants in, in, in north of India. So it's, it's, it's incredible blessing from God. And I felt sometimes terribly when I come in and we are, we are having conferences now in our church building in Krasnoluch. We are raising up money for India. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's war. It's poetry around. But I said, guys, if we, if we lose this missional vision, it will take years to raise up it again. So it doesn't matter how much we'll raise. Let's do it. So this year they sent one church leader who is responsible for our churches there 
for one month to India. They paid his tickets, he stayed there, and he is mechanic by, by job profession. So he, he was teaching Indian guys how to repair motorbikes and establish a little business. It just begin. we'll see how it works. But it was, he was preaching, he was involved in many things, but for me his biggest joy, churches and, and poetry, raising money, sending. And we sent one team with their finances to do eye clinics. So team of three, they're checking sites and blessing with glasses. Hindi people, Muslim people, nominal Christians, and after, uh, it's uh, second time this year, last uh, time, last year, after this eye clinic in one particular church, 10 Hindu people became Christian and became part of church. So, just thanks God. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that Andre said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 96. See you next time.